Well, friends, let me invite you to take your Bibles this morning and let's turn together in Ephesians chapter 5. We actually were in Ephesians last Sunday as we talked about what it means to bear with each other in love and to speak the truth to each other in love. And this morning we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ with a special reference to uh, marriage, what it means for husbands and wives to love and respect each other. So we begin with verse 15 of chapter 5. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Then in verse 21, and verse 21 serves kind of as what a lot of commentators and scholars call a bridge verse. It bridges everything that Paul has written so far and moves us into this section that Paul addresses husbands and wives. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Then verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now the interesting thing about verse 22 is that in the actual Greek language, the verb submit is not present. It actually reads, wives, to your husbands as to the Lord. It is drawing back to verse 21, where Paul writes, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So wives, to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord, and together let us say, thanks be to God. Well, one Sunday morning, a pastor was visiting a fourth grade Sunday school class, and he came in to talk to them about marriage. 
And so he asked the boys and girls, what does the Bible say about marriage? And immediately a little boy raised his hand and replied, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. (laughs) You're laughing, so that must mean there is some truth. I thought that was a word that Jesus said from the cross about his enemies, not about marriage. But you know, it, it really is true, I think, that the two most important things that we'll ever do in our life, especially as it regards family life, The two most important things that we'll ever do is, first of all, be a husband or a wife, and second of all, be a parent. But it's kind of interesting because all of us have far more training in the arenas of our professional work that we're doing currently, or we did in the past, than we have in family life. Most of us have very little training about what it means to be a good husband, a good wife, a good parent. So I think that's why it's true on so many occasions we really do have to ask God to forgive us in our marriages and we have to ask God to forgive us as parents and in our family life because honestly there are those moments, don't you think, when we know not what we do and we need God's forgiveness and we need God's help. Well, the Ephesians 5 text that that we just read invites us to do something that applies to all life relationships. And then Paul kind of drills down and looks specifically at marriages. Paul invites us, in order for life relationships to be loving, to be respectful, to be submitting to each other, he invites us, first of all, to submit to the Spirit of God. It's the submission to the Spirit of God that is the starting point for marital respect and really all relationships in life. In verses 15 through 17, Paul calls us to wise and thoughtful and careful living. He invites us to make the most of the opportunities that come before us to do God's will. And then he defines part of what it means to do God's will in verse 18. He says we are to be filled with the Spirit. Now, that verb does not suggest a one-time filling of the Spirit. What it suggests is that you get up every morning and you move through your day and you say, God, fill me continuously with your Holy Spirit. And then in verse 21, which we've said is the bridge verse, it moves us from what Paul has said about making the most of every opportunity, doing God's will, being filled with the Spirit, we get to the bridge verse before Paul talks about marriage in which he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you see this continuing filling of the Holy Spirit allows us to step aside and let God attack that sinful self-centeredness that tends to dominate our lives. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about marriage and family, whether we're talking about work, whether we're talking about church, community organizations, or local, state, or national politics. There's a lot of selfish, self-centeredness that's in all of us. So when we ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, we're also inviting him to drain out the self-centeredness 
and replace it with putting others' interests and needs before our own. That's what submitting to one another is all about. Paul knew that self-centeredness in relationships, any human relationship, is like a cancer. It eats away at who you are, and especially in marriages and in families. So Paul knew that before he moved into his teaching about marriage, he needed to give these instructions. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Submit yourself to the Spirit first of all. It will drain out all of the self-centeredness. And then he restates it another way. Submit yourself to one another out of reference, out of reverence for Christ. So again, being filled with the Spirit means that we allow God to fill our tanks with his love. Drain away the self-centeredness so that we're free to love and serve and submit to one another, putting their interest above ours. Now, as we move into this portion of the scripture about husbands and wives, there are some people who interpret this scripture and they suggest that women are the weaker sex. They suggest that because of that fact, women are to be submissive and obedient to men. Now, what's the thinking behind that idea. Well, the thinking is that Adam is first in creation. Eve is first in the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden. So in God's economy, men have a one-up on women. And indeed, you have to understand that in, t in antiquity, that was the case. Men did have a one-up on women when it came to respect and rights and opportunities. In the Jewish culture, in antiquity, the man, the Jewish man, got up in the morning and in his form of prayer he awakened each morning, gave thanks to God that God had not made him, quote, a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. In the Jewish way of thinking, a woman is a piece of property. A woman, once she marries, moves from being owned by her father to being owned by her husband. And so when you move into conversations such as adultery, you see, adultery is not a crime. It's not something that you do of a sexual nature. Adultery is a crime of property because one man has taken the property of another man and misused that property, property inappropriately. In the Jewish way of thinking, in antiquity, women have no rights when it comes to marriage and they have no rights when it comes to divorce. And in one school of thought, in the Jewish culture, a man could divorce his wife if he didn't like suddenly the way she looked, if she burned the toast in the morning or didn't make the bed up just right. He could simply hand her a certificate of divorce and look at her and say three times on the spot, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. And a woman suddenly was sold goods. S-O-I-L, sold goods. That was in the Jewish way of thinking. In the Greek world, women in marriage are only there for the purpose of legitimate childbearing. Men regularly had concubines and other partners to meet their needs. In the Greek 
way of thinking. One Greek writer said of women that she might see as little as possible, hear as little as possible, and ask as little as possible. That was the Greek way of thinking. And in the Roman world, there are most of the men and women, consequently, had multiple marriages and multiple divorces. So you have to understand that background to understand what a revolutionary, radical idea that Paul is suggesting here as he is elevating marriage. You see, this text is really about the relationship between Christ and his church. And by way of analogy, Paul says, husbands and wives, this is how you should relate to each other. But in this text, as he's talking about the relationship between Christ and the church, he's elevating marriage. And he's elevating the respect in this culture that husbands and wives should have for each other. In fact, as we read this text and interpret it, it's really important to understand that Paul is not writing to men and he's not writing to women. He is writing to Christian husbands and Christian wives, specifically. And the fact of the matter is, if you read it carefully, you understand that Paul is putting more responsibility on the shoulders of Christian husbands, not more rights. In the Greek, there are 143 words that are addressed to the Christian husbands. In the Greek, there are 47 words that are addressed to the wives. And Paul uses this word. He says, the husband is to be the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Now that word head is a word that means the head of the body. It implies leadership and example. It implies this idea of being willing to be the first to go into military battle and to sacrifice your life for another person. Now, today is Veterans Day, and we give thanks for those individuals who are serving certainly, and today have served our country in the military. And I'm just kind of curious, if you're a veteran, raise your hand this morning. I want to see your hand high. So we have a number of veterans that are here this day. And we know that part of what you sign up for when you sign up for service in the military is that you're willing to sacrifice your life for your country. You're willing to be the first to go into battle. Sadly, this past week, we had another shooting in our country. It took place in California. We had 11 individuals who were killed inside a bar, but a 12th one was also killed. It was a law enforcement officer. And when he heard the call of the disturbance and later learned that it was a shooting, he was willing to be the first the first to head into the gunfire to, to try to save other people's lives. That, that's what Paul is telling husbands in this text. He is saying, husbands, you be the leaders, you be the example in your home based on the model of Christ 
and his sacrifice and his love for his church, you be willing to love and to sacrifice and to be the first one to lead by example in your homes by willing to go into battle on behalf of your wife and your family. And then we get to that word, submit. Wives, you submit to your husbands. That word is a word that's not in the active or the passive voice, but it's in the middle voice. And what it suggests is that we submit or we place ourselves under the arrangement or the leadership of another person voluntarily. Why do we do it? We submit or place ourselves under the arrangement of another person out of love and out of respect. So verse 21, again, is our bridge verse. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, you voluntarily place yourself under the leadership of your husbands. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. So you see, the model for our marriages and really all of life relationships is shown for us by the model that Jesus gave for us on the cross. He willingly submitted himself. He came down from his rightful place in heaven, lived life as we live it, and voluntarily submitted himself, gave himself up for us on that cross. So Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for that church. And wives, you voluntarily submit yourselves to your husbands as the church submits with gratitude to the lordship of Jesus. I think it's really two sides of the same coin, this idea of mutual love, mutual respect, mutual submission to each other. You know, in any life relationship, and certainly in marriage, mutual submission is not a bad idea. There's a lot of good that can come from it. In my 40-year marriage with Leslie, I submit to her on matters of higher education because she worked in that field for many, many years, 30-plus years. She knows a whole lot more about it than I do. She's a better cook than I am. I gladly submit to her food and to her menu. She sometimes knows how to clean things off of clothes or she's really good at the selection of clothes. So if you ever think that I have something that looks halfway decent, it's because it gets her approval in terms of my wearing it. I submit to her in that way. She was a great mom and still is and a great grandmother. And especially these days, I find myself submitting to her when it comes to changing grandchildren's diapers. Honey, you do a lot better job of it than I do. <laughs> Except it always happens that if I get left for just a few minutes with one of the grandchildren, it always happens that there's a blowout. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Why do I get the blowouts? I, I'm not sure why. But, but I submit to her. She, she does that a lot better than I do. And, you know, she submits to me in things like financial matters at times and long care and maybe spiritual matters. The fact is we really work together. But, but it all begins, I think, with submitting to God and being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
it's the submission to Christ and Him first that allows us in all life relationships to begin to submit to each other, to be willing to put the needs of somebody else before my needs. And when we submit to the Spirit first, there's a greater likelihood that we will not get tripped up in life relationships, and especially that challenging relationship called marriage. I think the best marriages are made up of three people, the husband and the wife and Christ. The best marriages have three people involved. I like the story of the English professor. I've told you this before, but I think it just summarizes so beautifully what marriage is like. An English professor one day in class wrote the following words on the board. A woman without her man is the last word was nothing. And he asked the class to correctly punctuate that sentence. Most of the men in the class wrote the sentence in this fashion. A woman, comma, without her man, comma, is nothing. That's how most of the men wrote it. Most of the women wrote it in this fashion. A woman, colon, without her, comma, man is nothing. <laughs> I like that. But, but the question is, which, which writing of the sentence is correct? Is it the man's version or the woman's version? See, I'd like to think that in God's economy, that both answers are correct. That God designed us to complement each other in multiple ways in our marriages. But you know, without first submitting to Christ and then to each other mutually in marriage, I think the fact is that both of us become nothing. Let's pray together. God, we thank you this day for the gift of life relationships. We thank you for the friendships that occur with neighbors and work colleagues, people with whom we are engaged in community and civic activities. We thank you for our families. Lord, we thank you for our children this day. We pray for them. We thank you for moms and dads, brothers and sisters, the grandparents and the grandchildren and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and cousins. We thank you, Lord, for Christian husbands and wives. And we pray, Lord, for the grace to be filled with your spirit in such a way that we truly can submit to each other voluntarily out of our love and respect and so serve one another with the spirit of your son, Jesus. So, Lord... Give us that grace to do that in the coming week. We ask now, in your son's name we pray, amen.